You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beard. Let's get to it, New York. Uh, Let's wrap the show here. We're observing another week in Knicks history. And I'm very fascinated to have this conversation because it's one that I love talking about in terms of Knicks history. So uh, this was a controversial time. Uh, It was July 17th, 2012, that the Knicks confirmed they would not match the Rockets offer sheet for point guard Jeremy Lin, meaning that Jeremy Lin would be signing with the Rockets. Now, it was initially reported as a four-year, $28 million deal, but we then learned that the Rockets had actually signed Lin to a poison pill deal for over three years that would have had Jeremy Lin essentially making $15 million in the final year of the deal. So they backloaded the deal in hopes of uh, making the Knicks balk at signing him to the offer sheet the uh the luxury uh, implication for the knicks would have been massive had they signed jeremy lynn and kept him by that final year of that contract it would have been 30 more million dollars Knicks would have had to spend in luxury tax uh payments dolan apparently was very furious about the fact that this was added to the contract he thought jeremy lynn was trying to pull a fast one over the knicks to not get them to resign and the knicks elected eventually to not resign jeremy lynn despite him really kind of taking over the basketball world earlier that season with Lynn Sanity. So Lynn left for Houston. He never really recaptured the magic of Lynn Sanity. He averaged uh, 13 points per game in two seasons in Houston before being traded to the Lakers. And he made multiple stops uh, in LA, Charlotte, Brooklyn, Atlanta, and Toronto. Injuries also played his career. He had some knee problems as well. Overall, decent career, averaged about 11, 12 points a game for his career, but never again. Uh, that stardom that he kind of found overnight while playing for the Knicks under Mike D'Antoni. So, Tommy, looking back on it, do you think the Knicks made the right decision not matching the poison pill Lynn contract 11 years later? Yeah, I don't think they should have let it get to that point. Um, I think it was their first mistake. I think, they, I think they should have locked them up for that. Um, and we've given Carmelo Anthony a lot of credit on this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But he deserves some blame here for the way he handled the whole insanity mess, the, you know, the yes. situation when insanity came back and played well in Melo's absence. Um, so there was definitely some tension there um, that uh, I think obviously that played a, a part in Dolan's reluctance and kind of the Knicks coming up with excuses not to match the contract. At the time, yeah. I thought they should have. Um, in retrospect, I thought they should have. It turned out it didn't really hurt them. Um, you know, we did average uh, 13.4 points, 6.1 assists that following season in Houston. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, wasn't a, a bona fide star. Uh, you know, wasn't the, the guy that, that some pe- Nick fans feared he might become. Um, but I thought the Knicks owed him an opportunity to either win the starting point guard spot um, to kind of re reignite the fan base. Uh, I think there was a lot of fans that uh, didn't have a lot to cheer for from that really dark. I mean, there's been some dark periods, but that 
dark, dark period from like 2004, five ish, um, right after the, the Stefan Marbury um, experiment flopped yeah. till you know, the, the 54 win season, you know, nine, eight, nine years later, um, there was very little to be excited about. And, and insanity was kind of the only thing Nick fans could hang their hats on. Um, so I thought they owed that to him and the fan base that to, to, to at least give it a shot. Um, it wasn't going to break the books. If the worst case scenario was a luxury tax, which really would only impact James Dolan. Remember, at the CBA at the time, there's no other implications, no loss of right. Credit, yeah, no, this was no yeah. second apron era. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. This was strictly a James Dolan pocketbook issue. Um, I, I would have preferred the team resigning. Yeah, I mean, you know, every sports fan, I feel like, or every observer in basketball or any sport, you know, they have their things they die on. They have their hills they die on. Uh, this is the hill I die on consistently when it comes to Nick history. I think the Knicks made a massive mistake still in yeah. not resigning Jeremy Lin. And I actually think that Jeremy Lin, I think, would have become the Knicks starting point guard of the future at that point in time had he stayed with the Knicks. Now, does he deserve blame for it? Because at the end of the day, he didn't have to sign an offer sheet. I think he did a podcast saying he actually told his agent, to tell, hey, Houston, can they offer less? Because I want to go back to the Knicks. Right. Of course, that wasn't going to be on the table. So, um, so uh, maybe he deserves blame. Maybe he should have handled that better. Maybe he should have um, came to the Knicks first. No, the Knicks, from what I remember, the Knicks said, hey, go out there and go get an offer and we'll probably match whatever you get because we can't imagine getting something crazy. Sure enough, he got something that they deemed to be crazy. And remember, as you mentioned, Carmelo Anthony and the praise he's gotten, and I, I think we've been very kind to him. I agree. I thought he handled this terribly. If you remember, he was over with the in, in the Olympics training uh, with Team USA and he was asked about it and he said, you know, yeah, Herb Houston gave him that ridiculous contract. And that quote kind of resonated for those seven days or however long it was. Because remember, it was a much longer time period for, um, for offer sheet. That quote resonated for seven days, essentially, with Melo's first reaction to Lynn's offer sheet was it was a ridiculous contract. And there's been plenty of talk. And, you know, we've never heard Melo's side of it and probably never will. Melo's kind of right. a private guy. I would love to hear him talk about yeah. like what he thought about Lynn Sandy because I've heard Tyson Chandler say he wasn't too happy with Lynn Sandy. I've heard. Mon Shumpert, I believe, one podcast is a he wasn't happy about Linsanis. I don't know anybody who has come to bat saying Melo was a great teammate and a great support system for Jeremy Lin during that time. Now, maybe he can come on and defend himself and, and give his side of the story, uh, but that's what we've heard from everybody. So uh, I agree. If you're talking about Melo as a leader, as a great Nick, this was one of his darkest moments, but I think it was unfortunate. I think Lynn, if he would have stayed in New York, I know they had fired D'Antoni at that point in time, but you still had Mike Woodson who was still running a lot of Mike D'Antoni's system. And I think you would combine him with Melo coming in that next season, putting together maybe his best season as a pro. I think the Knicks would have been really good. Now, I don't know if they would have still signed Jason Kidd. I don't know if Graham Felton would have been there. The team might have been a little different, but I think instead of that team being a one-year flash in the pan, yeah. winning 54 games in a two-seed, I think they would have been a perennial playoff team for another three years at least, and would have gave themselves more bites at the apple as opposed to putting together an older a veteran team that kind of only had one crack at it. So I, I still to this day feel like, I know Link got hurt too, but I still feel to this day, they would have figured out the injuries, they would have figured out everything. Everything was so perfect in New York that the fact that they couldn't hold on to him was a, a massive mistake. Yeah, and you know the the Knicks starting point guard 2013 was Prigioni, the, uh, Nick on opening night. The Knicks starting point guard on opening night 2014, Shane Larkin. Right. Jose, Jose Calderon the next year. So we've as even we the know, diminished version of Jeremy Lin that we saw in these other stops would have been a better 
option than yeah. Larkin and Prigioni and Moutier and all these other guys we've seen over yeah. the last few years. And Lynn, obviously, you know, handling the New York scenario is, is, is right. part of the gig here. And he proved, you know, arguably more than certainly any other athlete in a short period of time, you know, just exploding on the national scene um, that, that he could handle what came along with it. Um, so I agree with you. It's just a shame that he never got an opportunity for both the, the Knicks himself, the fans. I'm sure if everyone kind of could do it all over again, they, they you know, most would have handled it differently. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Knicks, you know, made the mistake, I think, in thinking that, okay, Jeremy Lin is not going to get a great offer from anybody. And they put him out there. And, and you know, and if you want to know about how Daryl Morey moves in any potential future in terms yeah. of – uh, Nick Sixers deals. This is this is why I put this in this episode today. Also, this is a good thing to remember. You know, he didn't remember the deal that he signed with the Hawks. The Rockets didn't include this fifteen million at the end of the year. He they they got to separate that into nine million over two years, essentially making it a four year deal for the Rockets. For the Knicks, it would have been three years with fifteen million in the CBA, which is crazy. I don't know if that's in the, even in the CBA anymore. I haven't seen a deal like that since. But like. That is how Daryl Morey moves. He is as cutthroat as it gets. He comes for the jugular. So if the Knicks are going to get into a negotiation with Daryl Morey, just remember that this is what, how it's going to be. It doesn't matter how much Joel Embiid wants to be a Nick or how much he loves Leon Rose. You're dealing with a shark. And the last time the Knicks win those shark waters, I don't want to say they got bit by Danny Ainge because it might have been might have been good that they didn't make that trade. But at right. the very least, they didn't end up with the result that they hoped for. So it's just something that can be mindful of. But child Jeremy Lin, I know he's been playing overseas in China. I don't know if he retired. I, I think I remember him maybe saying he retired. Or I don't, I'm not sure about that. I don't want to put that on him. But, um, but shout out to him. One of the greatest moments we've had over the last few years was uh, the Lin Stanley uh, era we saw in, in that uh, January, February run he had. So um, great looking back on, on what was that time, time, very heated moment in the history.